0: Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, Podcast. an exploration of ancient wisdom.
1: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. What episode are we on? We are on episode number nine, still on chapter two, contents of the Gita summarized.
2: One of my favorite chapters. And we are on text number 20. So Priya, what's happening so far?
0: All right. So for the last episode, we mostly talked about the soul. I mean, I know we're talking about Arjuna. They're having a conversation in the battlefield. They're like, yo, I don't want to do this. Krishna's <laughs> like, man, you got to do it because, listen, you're a Kshatriya And because all these people, they're eternal. So like, even if you kill them, nothing's going to happen. Obviously, like, don't go around killing people. But like, you know, there's like instructions like you're supposed to follow and you know, just got to do the right thing here, man. And this is the right thing to do. And then he's like, well, I don't know though. And then he's like, listen, let me tell you about the soul. Let me tell you about the soul. Let me tell you about the soul. And then he's like, let me tell you a few things. So the soul, it's individual. Each soul is its own unique thing. So you're all like just very unique characters. We all feel that way, you know? And then he's like, also, the soul is like equal to consciousness. Like as soon as the body dies there's no longer consciousness in there so the soul is like
1: what gives us life what gives us the energy Right. Of, like how did they say consciousness is a symptom of the soul no mm. isn't that how it was worded i think okay that sounds awesome
0: <laughs> and then we learned that the soul is a tiny atom so now we know it's individual so each soul is its own unique thing we don't like merge into like all one we're like all individuals they're like we're like uh shamali had said like we're like drops. drops of the ocean, right? We're still part and parcel of
1: God. Whole, right. Yeah, of
0: the whole of the supreme, um, whatever you want to call him. Uh, so we got individual, conscious, tiny atom. And then we're like, well, where does it live? And then we're like, well, actually within the heart. And then we're like, wait a second, but what if you have a heart transplant? <laughs> and then you should go to the other episode to find out what we said. <laughs> right,
1: right.
0: But it's within the heart. And the most important part of this whole thing is... The soul is eternal. Forever. The soul it never dies. never dies. You cannot kill it with a weapon. You cannot, it's just eternal. We've always existed. We will continue to exist and we will never cease to exist. And that's kind of where we left off.
1: Love he's it. He's been kind of repeating again and again, this, this concept, we're not the body, we're a soul. We're not the body, we're a soul. Right. Cause to really drill it in and let that infuse into every aspect of our life and how we see things takes, that takes a lot of work. So I don't know if anyone from last week's episode has let that realization sunken in mm-hmm. deeply or have, has that changed anything for you, but it should have deep ripple effects when you start operating and acting upon that concept. I am a soul, not a body. Yep.
0: Love yeah. it. And so now I think we're actually going to continue learning about the soul. So we're not done yet. We have a few things, like we said, individual, conscious, tiny atom, within the heart, eternal.
2: We still have a lot of soul searching to do.
0: Let's hear what they (laughs) do. Invocation. Uh,
1: Ladies. Let's do it.
2: Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. All right. Chapter two, text 20. pre do you want to take it away?
0: Yes. For the soul, there is neither birth nor death at any time. He has not come into being, does not come into being, and will not come into being. He is unborn, eternal, ever-existing, and primeval. He is not slain when the
1: body is slain. All right. There's Beautiful. a lot here. A lot in the purport. You know, the first line uh, of the purport, I felt like, wow, Shilapropad uh, put on his professor hat and he says, qualitatively, the small atomic fragmental part of the Supreme Spirit is one with the Supreme. So basically saying, in its essential qualities, right, as we had said, the soul is part and parcel. It's the same, but not because it's one part of the whole. It's not like, oh, I am God. I don't know. I feel like in different, maybe different, I was about to say philosophies, but it's not even a philosophy. And different whimsical ideas, someone might say, I'm God, right? That's what that means. But no, no, there's a big distinction with being part and parcel. So same qualities like that main candle that lights the different candles, but a one little tiny part of the whole. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's a beautiful part of this that says everything that's born, right? Everything from, from trees to hamsters to human beings, everything that's born eventually meets its fate. and it, it dies eventually, right? But the soul does not deteriorate like a tree or anything else material. So it's really honing in the fact that like, hey, we shouldn't worry about people that are dying around us because the soul doesn't really die and we are the soul.
0: Right. Yeah, I think aside from aside from death, there's also the idea that it's unborn. And it's an interesting concept to me because you think of a child being born and that's where the soul comes. And so it's a new soul. But actually, if we understand karma and and reincarnation, we understand that soul was existing before, right? So right. it was not like newly created. We're not newly created. We were just parts of
1: Krishna and we were always existing. Right here they have a word called kutasta, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, or sometimes the soul is called steady. So right here they outline the body goes through six different kinds of transformations which the soul doesn't. The body takes birth in the womb from the mother's body, remains for some time, it grows, produces some effects, gradually dwindles, and then at last vanishes into oblivion. But the soul doesn't go through these changes.
2: Mm. there's a fun part of this, this purport. And it's really cool because I've never thought about this, but it kind of makes sense. So Prabhupada says that there's two kinds of souls. So Mm. the one that's like in our heart, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, Mm. okay? The one that's in our heart, and then when we die, it moves on to another body, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the super soul, which is in Sanskrit, they call paramatma. Mm. And that is kind of like... The God that's inside, like like Krishna that resides inside of you. Mm. I think, I want to say it's your consciousness. It's the one that's kind of like telling you when you're doing something wrong or you're conscious or be aware of going down this dark alley. Like the one that's there to protect you. You know mm. what I mean? That parmatma, that soul. So that, right. that little bit of Krishna that's inside of you. So there's two different types of souls.
0: You know what I picture when you say that? I picture like this, obviously like a person and I picture their heart and inside their heart, I picture two little like lights. You know, like, like Christmas lights, not (laughs) like physically, (laughs) but just like, just the light part of it, you know, like the effulgence and then like a little person, me holding a little person, Krishna's hand. And we're just like there inside of the body because it's like the soul and the super soul. That's a great visual.
1: It's like, that's a really cool visual. I love that. I tell sometimes my students, he's like your internal, most intimate friend in your heart that you can always check in with and speak to. And they ask, well, how do I speak to him? Well, it's like you would your closest friend, anything that's in your heart. He already knows. Just say it out loud. There's a beautiful part here that says, right, since the soul does not become old at any time, the old, a so-called old man who's in an, inhabiting an older body might feel himself to be in that same spirit as if he was a child or a youth. And when I read this line, it made me think of something my grandma, my abuelita always used to say. She said exactly this she said whenever I look into the mirror I would think who's that old lady mm. <laughs> looking at me back in the mirror so I read this line and I thought it's so true we feel youthful our souls yeah. youthful but it's just the coat that's getting a little a little more wrinkly she's a, young soul. a young, yeah. young soul and you see that
0: a lot I mean at least I have had a lot of people in my life who are in their 60s 50s 60s um, and they're f- they, I've been friends with them since I was 20 and they're like like I said in their 50s and their energy was always like youthful. So yep. like really the body is n- nothing in comparison to the soul and like who we at the end of the day are Truly inside. Are. Yep.
2: Yeah. All right. Anything else on 20 before we move on to 21?
1: Um, it just talks more about the consciousness of the soul. And here's the line that it says, the soul is full of knowledge or consciousness. Therefore, consciousness is the symptom of the soul. So it was from this purport that I got that. Consciousness
2: is the symptom of the soul, right? Um, the only
1: other part that I see here it's uh,
0: the idea that in order to understand the soul, we have to become free from all material desires as well as lamentation. That's oh, a big one. We'll get into that. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to. It. And you know, it's by the grace of God that
1: we can able to do that. But yeah, that that will be unpacked later. But just well, you know. we talked about that. You know how Krishna, God, he's the controller of the senses, and he can give you that clarity. So when you Think you know everything. That's not the right mood. We spoke a lot in our first episode. So based on what you're saying, Priya, it is when we approach this with a mood of humility and we don't know everything, you're graced with the mercy to almost step into this mysterious, ancient knowledge and understand it deeper by the level of you surrender, you get more knowledge. You surrender more, you get more knowledge.
2: Mm. Yeah. Love it. All right. Let's do it. Text 21. O Partha, how can a person who knows that the soul is indestructible, eternal, unborn, and immutable kill anyone or cause anyone to kill? This is kind of like a uh. like a witty rhetorical question in a way where Krishna's like, hey, if you know that the soul is unable to be destroyed... Like, why would you think that it can kill or, or like, or or cause anyone to kill? Like, it can yeah. never die, right? So think about it logically, right? If you understand this concept that the soul cannot be killed, how would you, why would you ever think that- Killing like, is a solution that to that anything or solution. like,
0: what is the point, right? Yep. And so the first line of the part I think it's really cool. It says, everything has its proper utility. And a man who is situated in complete knowledge knows how- and where to apply a thing for its proper utility. Similarly, violence has also has its utility, and how to apply violence rests within the person in knowledge. So it's like, why would anyone kill anyone if you understand that the soul is indestructible? What's even the point? Well, if you have knowledge, you might understand that there's these laws. And then it goes further on to say, in the Manu Samhita, which is the name of a book, the law book of for mankind, it is supported that a murderer should be condemned to death so that in his next life he will not have to suffer for the the great sin he has committed. Therefore, the king's punishment of hanging a murderer is actually beneficial.
1: Okay, that's huge. Right, right. We had talked about that earlier, how actually it's like, (laughs) it's funny to say it's almost an act of compassion when you want to... um, Right. Handle these <laughs> yeah, murderers. Like
2: according to Bhakti Yoga, like the death penalty is an act of compassion. Right.
1: Because you're thinking about their soul long-term and in a way you're thinking if they've acquired such negative karma for these outrageous acts like murder, we're not talking about doing things to normal people, just like outrageous acts, a murderer, then they're going to have to reap the results of those negative actions at some point or another. So might as well deal with it in a proper way in this life. So they're not going to carry that negative reaction into the next life.
0: Yeah. Not just that, but do you think there's a consideration, consideration of the fact that, um, like if they're murderers and they have sort of this desire to kill and all this stuff, like they will continue to do so, therefore continue to accrue Or to acquire bad so you're preventing
1: many different reasons. You're protecting citizens
0: from being murdered. You're protecting that person from getting more karma, further
1: bad karma. Yeah, Yeah. right. And they're not saying just anyone go kill them. They're saying like by the administrator of justice. There's a whole order and a code of conduct for this. It's interesting. I had earlier asked Shama. So right, which which places still have like capital punishment, like. There's a couple states yeah. I think still that believe yeah. in it.
2: And I think like they might not believe in Bhakti Yoga philosophy and the understanding of karma. But in in terms of this, our philosophy, I didn't even realize that like the death penalty can be a form of compassion because it alleviates further suffering.
0: I think the only problem that I see with that, and I think some people might have a similar problem, yep. is in that these people were not trained... I'm not saying okay. I just don't think that all who are in the justice system now necessarily should be.
1: Oh, of course. Oh, yes. And of so course. That's that's the idea, right? Yeah.
0: So the idea of like the justice system being the way to make sure that like the Manusmriti, the law book for mankind, is no longer being taught. These right. people are behaving based on. Uh, other motives and, and without full knowledge and all these things, which then create actually a problematic society, which we live in a problematic society yeah. right now. Right. So this this example, I would say it's it's for that back in the day when things, like I said, the kings and everyone was trained and what the proper procedures for living life were, right? Like thousands of spiritual years ago. Yeah. knowledge, like material knowledge, all the knowledge was there for you. So... Yeah, what what did we say? 5,000 years ago. That's a long time for now.
1: (laughs) Alrighty, text 22 or is there anything else? Um, There was something else. Let me just see. For the
0: administration of justice, so-called violence is permitted. A surgical operation is not meant to kill the patient, but to cure him. Therefore, the fighting to be executed by Arjuna at the instruction of Krishna is with full knowledge. And so there is no possibility of sinful reaction.
1: Right, they're not running around just killing anybody.
0: Yeah, it's very, very specific. Just like a doctor who's doing surgery is opening up a body and you would think like, oh my gosh, you're killing them, but they have the instruction, the knowledge, the guidance to actually potentially save that person's life. And so- We're saying Krishna is giving the the instruction with all the full knowledge of what is to
1: come next. Right. And connecting it to one of our previous texts, Krishna is having full compassion for everyone's soul. So yeah, he's taking every angle into consideration, everyone's destinies, what's best for everybody, both sides. Yeah. Yeah. All right, text 22, similarly. All righty. As a person puts on new garments, giving up old ones, the soul similarly accepts new material bodies, giving up the old and useless ones.
2: So it's literally comparing like bodies to clothes, right? If you're right. putting on you're you're just like when you die, you just put on a new covering, right? So the, the way that I've always imagined this is like imagine we're all like models at a fashion show, right? (laughs) And so uh, during like one round, when you walk down the runway, you're wearing a particular dress. And then when you come back, you go backstage and you quote unquote die, you actually put on another dress and you walk the runway again. Every time you walk the runway is another life, right? Right, right. And you're just dying and put on new clothes, dying and putting on the clothes, but the model never changes, right? It's Uh, the same model, just her
1: outfit changes over and over again. I like that. That's a really good point. Right. I sometimes conceptualize it. Like if our soul enters this material existence from, it's a linear point A to point B, the soul goes picking up where it left off in each life, but remembering the essential evolution. So you're evolving from point A to point B, but in what's essential and your body, unfortunately, or fortunately is just left behind as you put on new garments. Here in the purport, they say an interesting thing, even that connects to our last purport. They said even the modern scientist who does not believe in the existence of the soul, or at least most don't. But at the same time, they cannot explain the source of energy from the heart. That was our conversation from earlier. Mm-hmm. They have to accept continuous changes of body, which appear from childhood to boyhood and from boyhood to youth and again and again. So as we had said, it's happening even with this, within this life. Yep. Yeah, I, I just want to like look back at the text itself. It's
0: the, the second part of it, or after the comma, it says, the soul similarly accepts new material bodies, giving up the old and useless ones. <laughs> and so it's like, we have in this lifetime, the opportunity to be as useful to our soul or like, no, that's not the right way of saying it to be, uh, make as much progress as we can right. in the current body that we have. Right. There's limitations for like animals or whatever it might be. Right. So we, when someone lives a full life, they have like opportunity after opportunity to kind of make progress for hopefully not having to have another life body, Mm -hmm. uh, but then if so, then having a body that is Closer to God. Closer yes. right. to the Point
2: is to get out of the fashion show, right? Yeah. You're like so tired. You're walking the runway over and over and over again. And you get tired. You <laughs> don't know, you mean, even know what to put on anymore. I know, you don't know what to put on anymore because you've like tried on all these different outfits <laughs> and you have become all these different bodies and you're just tired. You know what I mean? You just want to go home.
1: Yeah. You oh, want oh to I love that. go home. <laughs> you know, um, in the purport, there's a nice little comparison. It says the Veda compares the soul and the super soul, as we talked about, our self and God within our heart, to two friendly birds sitting on the same tree. One of the birds, the individual atomic soul, is eating the fruit of the tree. And the other bird, Krishna, God, is simply watching his friend. Of the two birds, although they're the same in quality, one is captivated by the fruits of the material tree, while the other is simply witnessing the activities of his friend. So Krishna is just simply witnessing Arjuna eating, eating the fruits. And forgetfulness is the relationship of the atomic soul and is the cause of us changing position from one tree to another. So us souls or jivas, we're struggling very hard in this life as we forget sometimes, we're covered over, what's, what's the point of it all? And then mm-hmm. sometimes we're hit by a stroke of clarity and it's like, oh, oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and so here um, later on, it also says that Arjuna should... Rather be happy to kill the, their bodies in the righteous fight so that they may be cleansed at once of all reactions from various bodily activities. Um, because one who lays down his life on the sacrificial altar or in the proper battlefield is at once cleansed of bodily reaction and promoted to a higher status of life.
1: Hmm.
0: So that there's another sort of principle from, you know.
2: If you're doing the right thing, if you're doing your duty, then you also cleanse yourself of bad karma as well.
0: And others. I think yeah. that's the, sort of the idea, right? One right. who lays down his life. Yeah, I think that if he, I think that's what it's saying is like if he were to fight his cousins and all of that and they were to die, in that action, they are burning negative karma yep. and getting kind of another chance. What they're
2: following in their duty that we came across in that, in that equation that you created. Right. Well, oh yeah. What was the, what's the part of the equation that's it's missing the for them? knowledge plus devotion plus duty.
1: Right. Bam. And the bad side, they're kind of not, they forgot the equation. Yes. Yeah. Wait, I want to write that down again. Say it again. Knowledge. Wait, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knowledge plus devotion, which is kind of like the feeling plus duty. So while we combine knowledge and devotion as the dual Mm. aspects, we have to keep our head down and continue with our duty. And with the analogy then of the birds, it says, if we can just, while we're fully engrossed with anxiety and all the negative sides of this world, eating its fruits, if we can somehow turn and face our most intimate friend, Lord Krishna then all suffering stops and Arjuna has now we're at the point in the Gita where in the Bhagavad Gita Arjuna has turned to his eternal friend Krishna and tries to understand these truths from him and Krishna is telling him I've laid the path for you don't run to the woods fight what part of
0: the equation do you think that the like evil D and his sons are missing
1: Okay, knowledge. let's analyze this. Knowledge, right. devotion. True knowledge. Duty. Because if, no, if they had true knowledge, they would know which side maybe to they support. They wouldn't pick on their
2: cousins. But right. I, think,
1: I
0: think they have the knowledge because they're they're supposed to be super smart men
1: who study the scriptures too. But they're not acting on it, as you had said. Yeah. They, they have the knowledge I, in them. I don't them. think that they have the De- knowledge, guys.
0: Devotion, yeah. maybe. Because devotion means like applying the knowledge with love towards a supreme person. And I think they love themselves. They love
2: themselves. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: That's the thing though. It's about applying it because, you know, if you hear in the wider context of the Mahabharata, um, oh, the, 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 the military, the, the training Dronacharya has so much devotion for Krishna. There's so many instances where he's all feeling, but he's not applying it to stand up for the principles he feels mm. and believes in. He's just out of economic convenience going on Duryodhan's oh, side. Oh,
0: so does our equation, is our equation me- missing like action? On its own, because you can have knowledge and not act on the knowledge. Well, you had thrown duty, in to right?
1: apply it, right? It's doing your duty. But duty, duty doesn't is... necessarily,
0: like, like. let's say devotion means, uh, or let's say knowledge means understanding that you're not this body, right? Um, but their duty is to be a chattraya. So, like, you can be a chattraya and not necessarily consider that
1: you're not this body, Right. I might maybe I'm well maybe it's kind of in the concept of full knowledge because what is full knowledge here? They talk about knowledge of the soul, of matter, not matter. So it's having full knowledge, one hand, while having then the devotion for not misguided devotion. We can have feelings for so many things in this world, but it's devotion for what is real? What are we trying to devote ourselves to?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm really curious about this, and I think mm, I'm gonna ask someone. Do
1: what? like someone who might know more
0: than us. Okay. And just be like, "Hey, I'm I'm just curious if we came up with this sort of equation which we believe it's like path, right?
2: What part were what the bad guys What part with
0: the bad guys missing yeah. and how would you kind of say this? Do you think they're missing? I'm just very curious I about think they're it. they're
2: missing like, a, all three. Right, all yeah. three. Yeah. No, honestly, movie, well, I think it is that. They're trauma. doing their duty though. Uh Yes, but misguided. But it's misguided because they don't have the knowledge. Right. Mm. That's the thing. It's, it's all <laughs> <a> very bad. <laughs> Ashama, you got it? You got it it's really nice, really nice.
1: It's, it's misguided because duty, I'm not going to serve a corrupt person. That's my duty, but it's misguided. And how many youth are misguided nowadays? It's duty, but with full knowledge of the supreme, of what we're trying to do, and the devotion for that supreme. So it's kind of a whole balance. I, I mean, still ask if you want, but I, I do think it's the balance of those three. In properly carrying it out. Agreed. Yeah, I'm nope. just curious. I mean,
0: I, I might come back like 10 episodes from now and, <laughs> and just be like, you guys remember when we talked about this? Equation, so stay right? tuned for the next 10 episodes and you might get an answer. All Text We've, 23. 23,
2: Priya Darshini.
0: All right. The soul can never be cut to pieces by any weapon, nor burned by fire, nor moistened by water, nor withered by the wind.
2: Oh, I love that. So this, always, this verse always reminds me of the X-Men. Because there's so many ways to kill people in the X-Men. Like, one people get, like, with, like, lightning or, like, fire or, like... Fireballs, you know what I mean, there's so yeah. many things, but because so our soul is so cool and so powerful and literally unable to be destroyed, there's <laughs> nothing. There's no types of weapons. And they talk about nuclear weapons in here mm. and the five different types. There's so many different types of weapons, like earth weapons, water weapons, air weapons, ether weapons, nuclear weapons. Like nothing can destroy our soul. And that makes me feel really powerful, actually, because yeah. it's true. Like there's nothing because the soul is meant to be here forever.
0: Yeah, right. I think on, on what you said there, said formerly there were other weapons made f- of all different types of material elements. Fire weapons were counteracted by water weapons, which are now unknown to modern society. So I'm just like imagining like, I wonder how it used to work. That's such an interesting thought process.
1: Ancient cultures, like I know in a silly example, Avatar the Last Airbender, that comes from... Uh, Eastern philosophy, different than this one, but they talked about the different air, water, fire, earth, ether, and different like ancient knowledges have many overlaps, interestingly mm. enough. Not the point of this, but you know, it's interesting to see <laughs> there's many similarities. I've never
0: seen it, so I can't comment that on it, pretty but cool. I imagine it's cool.
1: <laughs> you know, further down in the purport, they talk one thing. They say, we've been harping on the soul is individual, meaning it's not It's not the same as God, but there's a flip side to that. It's almost like a double-edged sword. It's individual, yes, but because we're individual souls that are eternal, we're prone to be covered by this forgetful, illusory energy and then become totally separated from the Supreme Lord, just like a spark of fire, although one in quality with fire is also prone to be extinguished when out of the fire. So I don't know, in all of our lives, how easy I have so many times of like, you have a stroke of such clarity then you kind of forget you just forget what's the path like mm-hmm. a dream within a dream it's like well, what was that that was so important i totally forgot and then we come back and anyway we gotta yeah. wake up cool
0: wake up time to wake up time to wake up wake come up
2: up, see
1: pizza. All right, let's stop there for copyright purposes.
2: Oh. <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, we're moving just on joking. to text 24. <laughs> Thank correct? you, Lord
1: Sir Abbott, techie person. Thank you.
2: <laughs> text 24. This individual soul is unbreakable and insoluble and can be neither burned nor dried. He is everlasting, present everywhere, unchangeable, immovable, and eternally the same.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: So we're further describing, like Krishna is further describing these beautiful qualities of our soul.
1: Yeah, there's one part in the purport that I actually looked up. It says the theory of monism is very difficult to apply in this case because the individual soul is never expected to become one homogeneously. So I looked up monism is a theory or doctrine that denies the existence of a distinction or du- duality in some sphere, such as God and the world. So they kind of think is kind of the theory of we're all one, we're all one, but... Yeah, we have to keep in mind, we're one in the qualities of the soul, but we're not one in that we are God. I found this little part super interesting too. It says, after liberation from the
0: material world contamination, the atomic soul, so us, may prefer to remain as a spiritual spark Mm. in the effulgent rays of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but the intelligent souls enter into the spiritual planets to associate with the
1: Personality of Godhead. Love that you brought that up.
0: I think it's just such a cool, interesting. I never knew that there was a choice. Not that I would choose to be a sparkler, but like <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I
2: just Fourth of I, July, free is on sale. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just thought that's interesting. So like, you can choose to like just be a little spark in the sky, or you can choose to be like a friend of God and right. like have fun hangouts. I was gonna, gonna say, can we God just comes- like
1: imagine this for a second? Because they were saying there's the personal qualities of God and the impersonal qualities. So let's imagine. We're completely liberated souls and we have a choice here. And we're going to choose to go to a bright, bright light and merge in that peaceful oneness of the bright light. And now imagine 1,000 billion hundreds of years later, you're still in that bright <laughs> light. How fun is that? I mean, we're going to get super bored in like five minutes of it. It might be yeah. peaceful at first, but like that's, that's not where the variety and the flavor is. We want to go to where God is, is engaging with his angels in the most creative, fun pastimes. Angels. Yeah. Love that. And there's sparklers there. And <laughs> yeah, there's sparklers. so many sparklers. <laughs> um, All right. Well, actually, there's one
0: more, if you yep. don't mind. Go ahead. Ah, go da, go da, crazy. Da. Oh, I thought this was just a fun fact. Uh, when I go through the Bagut Gita, I highlight in two different colors. One's for like, oh, this is like good info. And the other one is like, that's just randomly cool. And mm-hmm. this is one of those randomly cool ones. It says, there is no doubt... I'm going to not read it exactly. I'm just going to read it, paraphrase a little bit. There's no doubt that the living entities are creations of God. They live on the land, in the water, in the air, within the earth, and even within fire. Therefore, there's no doubt that there are living entities also in the sun planet with suitable bodies to live there
1: aren't there already little particles that can exist in high heat that have been like micro particles that they've proven? So like, why would it be so far-fetched that there are beings on the sun? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even even
0: beyond that, like... There's fish that live in water. Right. We can't do
1: that. We can't live in water. There's nope.
0: worms that live in earth, right? Like
1: all we of these live things in the earth.
0: are just things yep. that we cannot do, but there's little living entities, big living entities that actually can. So. And there's always yeah.
1: some resistance to when we don't fully know something. If you describe it without ever having seen or heard of it, it sounds crazy, but let's take a, a, a little experiment. Anything in this world we're familiar with. It's like a horse, but with a giant neck and it's yellow with brown spots. I'm describing a giraffe, but you can, if you don't <laughs> know what it is, you can describe it in any way and be like, no, that doesn't that exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Never heard of
2: such a crazy thing.
1: <laughs> right. Honestly,
0: because I, I've seen so many uh, like action, like Kira movies, <laughs> like when you say like, oh, there's a person that can stand on fire. I'm like, yeah, the Fantastic Four guy, you know, the one that's all flames. He can live in the
1: sun. I can can Mm. see that. And if you go to India, nowadays, India, there's so many of those mystics we had referenced that you can literally see them doing things like that now, like walking on fire or little things like that because of their aesthetic abilities, which also is not a side note, the goal of all this. It's not (laughs) like we're practicing Bhakti to develop cool powers. That'll take us nowhere because we'll still be with all our cool powers up and down the elevators. Yep. They're true. Yeah. That's just a cool
0: random fact.
2: All right. Text number 25, Priya
0: It is said that the soul is invisible, inconceivable, and immutable. Knowing this, you should not grieve for the body.
2: So finally, Krishna is bringing, like I know at the beginning of this chapter, Arjuna had so many arguments, right? And then Krishna is bringing down his arguments now too. It's like, hey, I told you about the soul. I told you about the body. I told you about the different details about the soul and how powerful it is. Knowing
1: this, you should not grieve for the body. Right. So he's doubling down even further. Right. Because at first one in the Gita, you pick this up, you might have never heard of it. And you read this and it's like, that's so cold. How am I not going to grieve for the body? But we're really trying to hammer down and there's such a more real and permanent existence. So that is why.
0: I also want to say that in the last sentence of the purport of this, it says repetition of something is necessary in order <laughs> that we understand the matter thoroughly without error. I and love so I that. just want to I say, you know, we've been talking a lot about the soul and yes, there's a new fun facts that we add, but the reality is that it's a concept that seems easy enough, but do we actually take it into our lives and actually apply it? Yep. Do we actually say, yeah, I'm the soul, you know, and this body is temporary Majority of people, no, no the, they want like, Botox.
2: One hundred percent.
0: I'm just being silly here, but like, they, they, it matters still what we look like, what we, all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, repetition.
2: It, it's right. so important. This this fact is so important because the moment that we walk down the street and we don't see color or skin tone or religion, mm. like like we're, we're always going to look at those things because that's how we, that's how we are. That's we're just human beings. Right. But the moment that we start to see everybody as a soul, that's where life's problems are solved.
1: Mm. Right. You act upon it in a different way. I agree. Repetition is so important because I was just thinking, even like, I'm sure you've had this experience, Priya, I'll be teaching the same concept. And like a year in a kid will be like, Oh, and have a light bulb moment. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It takes sometimes a little yeah. time. And even then you can have deeper and deeper layers of realization with the same simple phrase you hear a million times. I'm hearing it differently now than maybe when I was younger hearing it. You apply it in a different way. Text 26. Yeah. Yes. All right, text 26.
2: If, however, you think that the soul or the symptoms of life will always be born and die forever... You still have no reason to lament, oh mighty armed. So he's basically saying, even if you do not believe in the previous context
0: that I've been telling you that the soul is.
2: Basically, the point that I've been harping on for the past like 10 (laughs) verses, even if you don't believe in that argument, you still have no reason to be sad.
0: Right. Um,
2: Yeah, because he says, he goes
0: on to talk about, uh, yes, this is it. He goes on to, uh, he says, there is always a class of philosophers who do not believe in the separate existence of the soul beyond the body. When Lord Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita, it appears that such philosophers existed and they were known as vaivashikas. According to them, the body is a combination of physical elements. So just literally the elements that we're made up of. And so even if Arjuna did not believe in the existence of the soul, there would still, be, will have no cause for lamentation because no one laments the loss of certain bulk of chemicals and and stops doing their duty because of that. Yeah. So Krishna's like,
2: eh. <laughs> I don't believe in anything I just said for the past 45 minutes. I'm assuming it was 45 it's minutes. It's probably been hours. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't believe in anything I said. It's just, we're just mass and flesh and bones. Like, why would you be sad for that?
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Um, Anything else? Text 27? Okay. He's just like, man, you're, you're a chatria. You should know this. You should know yeah. this. Boy, <laughs> get to act <whack> together.
1: <laughs> All right. Text 27. One who has taken his birth is sure to die. And after death, one is sure to take birth again. Therefore, in the unavoidable discharge of your duty, you should not lament.
2: And the cycle, of, like that's it. It's true. Everything that is born is meant to die at one place and another. Whether it's us or our hamsters or <laughs> a plant that we care <laughs> Did you have a traumatic experience poorly. with a hamster? Oh my trauma. god! Oh my god, Mr. Mr. Pokey. I don't know, I don't, I don't I, that was a real hamster. I'm sorry, yeah. Pokey. His name was Mr. <laughs> Elizabeth Jeremiah Pokert oh wow you know, we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl so we called him Elizabeth <laughs> Jeremiah and then you know how it's like H- Hubert turns into Huey and then we turned Pokert into Pokey oh my goodness so his for Mr. Pokey for short that's and fantastic I, I don't want to talk about it further but just okay. know it that, provokes like, feelings
1: we're still coming to terms with yeah, the we're philosophy are still coming yeah. to terms with it right
2: but I can't lament because I knew as soon as he was born he was gonna have to die uh, but, okay? uh, but, you but you can, can be sad soul, you can be sad I can be sad uh-huh, I don't want to uh-huh, lament and go right. into a depression Which you know my 14 year old self was <laughs> <laughs> contemplating that but <laughs> At the end of the day, I know that his soul is forever.
1: Right. 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 That's the you message. Know, the one line in the purport says, one has to take birth according to one's activities of life. I'm i pause there a second. That's, that's so <sighs> interesting, right? That we set up our next life. Priya, what, you're feeling I, something. <laughs> you're feeling I'm just it. thinking
0: that's such an interesting topic to me, but I, I feel like we're so early on. Right. And right, we'll talk right. about it, but I, I think it's like so... Any foreshadowing because it's going to get oh, real man. into depth. This like, is- the fact that I was born a Latina woman, like right. it, it's so specific how our karma works. Right. right? And like the fact that we, we you were born an Indian woman, you know, there's so many fascinating aspects of karma that ties in into our desires um, and how our soul matches with our body. And mm-hmm. so that's going to be fun to talk. About. It's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. Uh, On on another note, and I don't know, this is sort of like a a reminder again. It says, this cycle of birth and death does not, however, support unnecessary murder, slaughter, or war. Right.
2: Right. It's not like we're like... Every, uh, like, it's not, Christian's not being like, make sure you kill everybody.
0: Yeah, it's not like, oh, because we all die and are born, it doesn't matter if someone gets shot or killed. Like, no, it's not Those okay. Those things are still
2: big deals. They're not
0: okay. Yeah. They're right. not good. They're not lawful. This is not things we do. And then it says, but at the same time, violence and war
1: are inevitable factors in human society for keeping law and order. Absolutely. Right, and this was a religious battle. I mean, this wasn't just for any other purpose. These were very just rulers on the pond of a side who tried all means of diplomacy before Krishna advised them in this way. So maybe if initially you read the Gita without any context on, this is part of a greater historic epic. You might question in a way Krishna's quote unquote spirituality, but you have to realize he's giving advice for those times under those circumstances and what was happening. These were evil, corrupt dictators taking over terrorizing everyone. You want someone just to step up and be like, no, we're going to take over the rightful kingdom, which is ours, which they spent 13 years in exile. It's it's whole Absolutely. history. It's not
2: like Christians being like, just kill for the sake of killing, <laughs> right, right? right? It's like making sure to uphold. And he's talking to Arjuna, who is a soldier. And what are soldier, soldiers supposed to do? They're supposed to uphold righteousness
1: and justice, right? Right. And this wasn't soldiers like nowadays, like, I want more land, more money. No, no, no this wasn't that type this of thing. This is about— And
0: actually, it says it right here. It says, the Battle of Kurukshetra— being the will of the Supreme was an inevitable event, and to fight for the right cause is the duty of a chhatriya. Right. So, it really was about doing his duty. It was about you, imagine you meet God and he tells you to do something. Like, he knows something you don't. Kno- yeah,
1: he knows something right. you don't you know. Definitely. And giving us that smile before the battle is like, Krishna, why are you smiling right now? <laughs> yeah, if it was anyone that
0: you, you don't know it's God, you'd be like, I don't know, man. I'm not going to go kill my cousins. But, There are so many reasons why he knew
1: that it was Krishna, that he was a supreme God. Right. right? with Asta, the wax on, wax off. That disciple might have been like, what in the world? He's wasting my time. Why are you telling
2: me to wax on, wax off for (laughs) 17
0: hours? (laughs) And then he was amazing at karate. Exactly. So like, listen, teachers know. Teachers (laughs) know. (laughs) I
1: love that. (laughs) Our little teacher plug, teachers know, students. Teachers know what they're saying. Love it. All right, text 28. We have time to dive in one more? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Who was that? Predictionary? Oh my
0: goodness, I always forget. I'm sorry. It's all good. All created beings are unmanifested in their beginning, manifest in their interim state, and unmanifest again when annihilated. So what need is there for lamentation?
2: <laughs> it's interesting, right? There's a lot of unmanifest manifest in this in this statement mm-hmm. right
1: what does that mean <laughs> what was the manifest unmanifest we had said already had to do with spirit and matter right uh that was uh oh that was uh um, no it was permanent non-perm oh,
2: it was yeah. a different word it was a
0: different word it was like um oh shoot i'm not remembering now
2: i, I do you guys can look it up but i i like the example that purport gives uh that prabhapad gives in this purport is that Okay, so when when you just have a pile of rocks, and you that's the unmanifested state. When you turn it into a skyscraper, it's mm. manifested. But when a big bulldozer comes and knocks it down, it becomes unmanifested again. But it was the same thing the whole time, mm. you know what I mean? Right. So why are you feeling sad for these different stages?
1: Right, so he's saying if we accept the Vedic conclusion— Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, these material bodies are perishable. It's just a matter of time, but the soul is eternal. So remember that the body's like a dress. So why lament for the changing of a dress? And I like how it says here, the material body has no factual existence in relation to the eternal soul. It's something like a dream. In a dream, we may think we're flying or sitting on a chariot. We might be a king, right? But when we wake up, we can see that we're neither in the sky nor seated in the chariot. So yeah. we're trying to realize what is our true self beyond this dream, this illusion where we're acting out. It's a stage. Life is a stage. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting.
0: It's interesting how it, it's all connected because if you really think about it, okay, wow, that was a beautiful skyscraper that was built, right? right? It was made out of nothing, something that I didn't care about. When it was became a skyscraper, you're like, wow, that's such a cool, oh my gosh. And then it gets demolished and you're like, well, I miss it. Like we were talking about sadness versus lamentation. And it's like, you miss that it existed at some point, but the reality is it's always been made of the same materials. And it was going to, this was going to happen regardless. So the attachment to it existing, it's so the sentence here, it says the Vedic wisdom encourages self-realization. So understanding ourselves and learning on the basis of the non-existence of the material body. So understanding who we are Understanding that this body is really non-existent, that what's real is our soul. Or like we yep. said, non-existent in the greater
1: scheme of eternal reality. Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, just the same as a skyscraper was non-existent.
1: I mean, it did right, exist at some right. point, but was it really long-term there? Right, so basically summing up, they're saying, lift the veil of this illusion, look at the eternal reality and try to think in those terms. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. All so righty. We're going to end here and we're going to do episode uh, the next episode and focus on text number 29.
0: Sounds good. But until then,
2: thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning
1: in. Bye.